Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We're live. One, two, three, four. What's up, everybody? Welcome into West by Pod, podcast about WVU, the Big 12, and tortillas. I'm Joel Bracken. On Twitter, I'm at WV Stats Guy. I'm joined as usual by Jordan Pinto. He's at Game Day Shorts. What's up, Jordan? Dough goes in, tortillas come out. You can't explain that. You can't explain it, man. It's college <laughs> football. You just can't explain the tortillas. Um, so, so today we are talking a little bit uh, more about some Big Twelve deep dives. We're going to be covering Baylor who is the, uh, at least according to the media, is the preseason favorite in the Big 12. And we're also going to be talking Tortilla Tech. Um, so little coaching changes, a little shakeup down there. Um, we're going to kind of dive in and, and hash out how we feel about these programs and, and what they're going to be getting into this season. Um, so I guess first we'll just go ahead and jump in into the, the Run the Hill. Yeah, you trying to Run the Hill? I'm it's ready, Joel's, dude. It's Joel's turn this week, so... Um, I got some new running shoes this week, so I'm, I'm ready for it. <laughs> it's a nice light, uh, nice light session here to to help you break those boys in without, you know, you don't want to get any blisters or anything. I think we really just have kind of one topic um, that we really L- wanted to light cover news this week. week. Yeah, yeah, light news week. It's kind of that point of the summer. Um, but the good news is, is is that that means that fall camp is literally right around the corner. So, anyways, Joel, your question. Last week, it was announced that. College Game Day is going to be making an appearance at the Akersher Heinz Field Ketchup Center for <laughs> the September 1st opener against Pitt. Um, what are your thoughts there? What's your reaction? So, you know, I think some people don't love Game Day as much as they used to. And I, I can understand some arguments, but I, I still am a big Game Day like fanboy, I guess. I think... When I was getting into college football, I feel like game day was one of the big things that like encapsulates like the whole like vibe. It's like on campus, like people got up stupid early. 
um, and make funny signs. Like it, it, it's such like the college football experience. So, you know, getting game day is, is always awesome. Some teams like Alabama and Ohio State or whoever get it all the time. Uh, West Virginia, I think this is maybe the fifth time, if I remember correctly, that they've had it at a game that they were playing. Um, so it's always just a cool nod. You're on, you're on prime time. You're on display for the country. Um, obviously, you know this is in pit, but it'll be. I'm sure we'll be well represented. There'll be signs going both ways. And uh, dude, I love it. It's it's the like the first real week of college football. It's the first real game. Uh, there's a few week zero games that are whatever, but uh, dude, I love game day. And I, I guess just a short story. So, and I was uh, I was a freshman in 2014 when we got the uh, TCU game day, and that was a blast. That was the tent city year. Um, and if you aren't familiar, Tent City was this weird thing that happened where uh, we got game day, like they announced it on like a Sunday. And I think Monday night, some guy pitched a tent and was like, hey, I'm going to be first. I'm getting in game day. And then somebody else pitched a tent and somebody else and somebody else. And the Mountain Lair Green just started filling up. And uh, I think it was by Tuesday night, some of my friends were like, we got we, we got to get a tent up, right? So we got a tent up. We were number 75. It was like a whole society. And you got a number um and yeah it was a fun fun week we were number 75 i think over 400 tents made it there uh not over 400 tents worth of people got tickets to get into game day but uh we snuck in and it was it was a blast so uh, yeah i love game day this is an awesome nod and i'm glad that like there's some uh respect and like representation for like this rivalry that uh you know it's getting put out there 100 percent agree man that's cool actually that you were uh uh in tent city i mean i don't know if i've ever actually talked to anybody who participated in that. So I know a lot of, um, you know, my friends and myself, uh, admired it from afar and thought, thought like how much fun it looked, but, uh, yeah, it's cool it a blast. There. Um, yeah, I got the, you- I got the, I survived tent city t-shirt and then they tried to do it again next year, but like the school sanctioned it and it just wasn't the same. Like it just wasn't as cool. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't, it was just a one-time thing. It was, it was perfect though. Yeah. 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 Um, and then, yeah, no, I think in terms of the game, I think you're, you're exactly spot on, right? Like it, you know, it, it, it really just sets the stage and, and it feels fitting for backyard brawl being renewed, feels fitting the game days there. Um, so no, I, I think it's, I think it's awesome. I think, um, you know, probably shouldn't make a difference to the players, but I think that it does based on some of the reaction I saw, uh, to the tweet that went out on social media. So, um, you know, just, just a little bit more fuel to the fire and hopefully it's a, hopefully it's a good show for everybody. Yeah. Just a little extra energy. I mean, I don't think fans on either sides need it, but you know, get a little bit more of a, like a national spotlight on the game. Uh, I mean, I'm juiced, man. This is, it's going to be a blast. It's, you know, it's, it's going to be a fantastic game. It's just so long overdue. So I'm really glad that uh, it's kind of getting the, the respect that it deserves. It's, it's like an important game in college football um history really it's 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 an awesome rivalry so super excited absolutely yeah man i can't wait i know we're i know we're both gonna be there so yeah can't believe it six weeks away first pod was 10 weeks out now we're six weeks out time flies Mm -hmm. when you're having fun when you're excited all right so baylor um i guess i'll go ahead and, and set the stage here baylor was very good last year um end of End of summary. No, they, uh, so Baylor was, Baylor was awesome last year. Um, finished the season 12 and two ranked, uh, I think number five, uh, nationally in the, in the final AP poll. So mm-hmm. a top five season, a big 12 championship, 
Uh, they beat Oklahoma State 21-16 to win the Big 12 championship. It was a, it was an awesome game. Made a little goal line stand at the end to, to, to seal the victory there. So um, kudos to them for that. Uh, they beat Ole Miss in the Sugar Bowl, and I don't think Matt Corral played in that game. But still, you know, a nice a nice feather, a nice cherry on top of a, of a very delicious Sunday for them last year. Um, in terms of recognition, they, they almost swept the Big 12. They had uh, Aranda won the Coach of the Year, Petrie won Defensive Player of the Year, Siaki Ika won uh, the Defensive Newcomer of the Year, they, they had the Offensive Lineman of the Year, and the Special Teams Player of the Year. So, mm-hmm. you know, I guess that, dudes. That, yeah, that, that really kind of says it all about the kind of 21 that they or 2021 that they had. Uh, so, so coming into this year, uh, as you mentioned, they were selected as the top team in the big 12 by the uh, preseason media poll. Um, guess we'll get into how much we agree with that uh, as part of this deep dive, but plus 15,000 to win the national championship, uh, plus 600 to win the big 12 again, to repeat uh, plus 550 to win 10 plus games in the regular season and an over under set at, 8.5 Joel what are what are your first uh what are your first thoughts what's what are your opening salvo of thoughts here for Baylor yeah interesting season for Baylor Aranda second season um it was a second season last year and you know not really anything the first season but man he he built this thing quick and uh I don't think there's any doubt that he's a fantastic coach at least from what he's uh done so far um one thing that really stood out to me about Baylor last year, I guess, I guess two things. One is that they, they felt like a really balanced team. I don't feel like there was a glaring weakness. Like they were just really solid in pretty much all every phase. You look at, you know, a lot of the numbers, they're either really good or great. Uh, but there's nothing that they like sucked at. There's nothing that was like, this is how you attack Baylor. Like they were just solid across the board. I mean, they won games in lots of different ways. Like, when West Virginia played Baylor, um, I mean, their pass rush was insane. Like Bohannon's throwing the ball all over the field. Like and that wasn't their like style and more or less like they, they just had enough guys and a good system where they, they won in a lot of ways. The second thing that sort of stands out to me is that Baylor was, um, I think second in the country last year in turnovers, like the, the difference. So they were plus 14 in turnovers. And, there are different schools of thought about turnovers. I think, you know, if you are Brett Favre, he throws a lot of picks because he, or he threw a lot of picks because he kind of threw some risky balls. You know, he was a gunslinger. Um, some people think turnovers are more random and and not as much like a forced or not. It's kind of just random luck. Like you can control it a little bit, but it just happens. I'm interested to see this year, are they going to get that much turnover luck? Because turnover luck is incredibly predictive of how many games you're going to win. Um, is this the kind of team that Dave Aranda has? Like, we're going to protect the ball. We're going to take the ball away. And and this is like something that is pounded and, and, you know, deep ingrained in this team. Or was this just like, they got a really lucky. And if they had five less turnovers or 10 less turnovers, like what does this team end up? Cause like I said, I don't think this team was like a world beater in any particular area. Um, they were just really solid all across the board. So, um, also so just you gave some numbers there from vegas it's interesting vegas doesn't think they're the favorites in the big 12 right um correct yeah oklahoma and texas i think both have better numbers um so yeah i the media says they're number one it wasn't by a big margin um it's kind of crazy you look across some different outlets they kind of i think baylor's a little bit all over the place 
Uh, beta rank has them like 38th, which is really, you know, coming off, like you said, like finishing in the top five, uh, you know, winning the conference, winning a bowl game, um, and then to come in 38th for this season. So I think the variance is kind of a little wider for what people expect, but I expect Dave Aranda to have a solid team and like, yeah, this team's going to be going to be very good and going to be competing. Yeah, I think uh, I think so. My reaction to, to kind of what you were just saying about about beta rank as opposed to, you know, maybe where some of the Big 12 media is that is that the Big 12 media just saw them win the, the Big 12 championship in the Sugar Bowl. Mm-hmm. And so maybe they're getting the benefit of the doubt uh, as it relates to some of their questions where, you know, maybe some other teams aren't. And that's not to say that they haven't earned it. But, you know, you look. Uh, I guess we'll start with the offense here. I mean, you look at the offense and and there's going to be a lot of new faces, right? I mean, you know, yeah. so so Gary Bohannon uh, is out. Blake Shapin's in at quarterback, which apparently was just a fair and square, um, you know, spring spring QB competition that Shapin won. And, you know, kudos to the coaches for, for giving Bohannon the option to, hey, man, you know, we think we're going to go with this other guy. If you want to go try and find somewhere where you can start, you know, feel free. Mm-hmm. Um so, so, you know, that's, that's obviously going to make them look a lot different because Bohannon, you know, I think he, he had some, you know, people who kind of criticized him last year. I thought he was a really solid player for them, you know, just in terms of the way you, that, that they were able to play last year with the offensive line and the running game, you know, he gave them a, a, like a nice, uh, I guess, like a nice floor, um, you know, where yeah. even, you know, he's having an off throwing day. He's still going to, still going to contribute to the running game. Still going to, still going to be somebody who defenses have to account for. Um, Shapin, on the other hand, he's not a bad athlete. He actually, he played a good bit last year, um, played in the big 12 championship game. So, so has that under his belt. So he's not going to be a completely new face in here. Um, I think I had it down 207 snaps. He had about a 74, uh, pass grade on PFF, uh, 596 yards, five touchdowns, zero interceptions. I think about 67, 68% completions. So, so a better passer than Bohannon. Um, I think the one thing, you know, we talk about a lot on here. Uh, that that's worth noting is Bohannon, um, you know, which is something we've seen with some of the more mobile guys that we've deep dived on his, his numbers against pressure didn't really take the dive that you see with some of the dudes who are a little bit more, uh, a little bit more static. Um, Shapin's numbers go from 84.3 when he's kept clean to, to 43.2 against pressure. So mm-hmm. um, definitely a, a pretty significant drop off a little bit more in line with what we'd see from, you know, somebody like Jared Dagey, maybe somebody who's not as much of a design running threat. So It'll be interesting to see how that kind of changes how they look offensively. Um, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts there? Do you have any other other notes on uh, Shapin? Yeah, a little bit just on Bohannon. And, 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 you know, this is one of those things when you view college football, you know, I, I feel like I watch a lot of Big 12, but I, I view it through the lens of a West Virginia fan. Yep. And, man, I thought Bohannon was awesome when he played against yeah. us because he got hurried one time. He threw four touchdowns, no picks. You know, he was destroyed us it was it was ridiculous i was like how is this guy not the starter how is this a question um but yeah like you said you know i guess kind of nice that he gets the the nod to you know go pursue other places he went to south florida um you know it seemed like this this offense could operate last year with either of the quarterbacks and maybe that's just a product of the scheme um you do have the the oc jeff grimes coming back so like you know there's like this we got it done with whoever we plugged in last year. And um, yeah, I, I think Shapin's going to be fine. Um, I don't know, it, it, but I agree with what you say. Like the the production side, I guess the main thing I see in this Baylor offense is the entire skill positions got gutted. Yeah. And you do, if, if you can keep one thing 
on a team, I think you kind of want to keep like that core offensive line. Like you feel like, okay, we can make things happen. And that's sort of what I'm seeing here is like, this offensive line is returning a lot. You have a quarterback who was fine last year. Like he, they won the big 12. Like you can't ask for much more. So I, I don't know, you know, between the two quarterbacks, if you were going to see that much different um, numbers, just, you know, based on how similar they performed last year. Yeah, the one the one real difference that I saw aside from the pressure thing, um, Shapin's yards per attempt, average average depth of target were both uh, you know considerably lower than mm-hmm. than, than Bohannon's, which is kind of interesting because Bohannon was kind of criticized for not being able to to push the ball down the field or produce the explosive plays. Um, I saw just you know just seven percent of of Shapin's passes targeted twenty plus yards downfield, which is a pretty low percentage for you know if you look at I've obviously looked at a lot of these deep dive or a lot of these numbers, a lot of these uh passing depth numbers and you know usually you don't see really one yardage group you know so the yardage groups are behind the line zero to ten yards ten to twenty yards twenty plus mm-hmm. if you see one below ten percent it kind of stands out so seven percent was pretty glaring to me um but yeah no i mean as you said they they had the best offensive line in the conference last year um they returned four of the five guys this year including uh connor galvin uh, the reigning offensive lineman of the year at tackle. Uh, Khalil Keith is the other tackle who I think had the best pass blocking grade in the conference. Jacob Gall is going to be in the conversation for for best center. I think he was actually the you know he made the he made the All Big Twelve first team mm-hmm. um, with with Zach Frazier. I guess it should be said. So you know that's probably uh, going to be the two guys fighting for best center in the league. So and then you know just another guy who had 860 snaps and a 67 PF grade at at guard. It's going to be the best offensive line in the conference, but yeah, the, the, the skill position is just, just gutted. And, you know, I think there's, I think I I subscribe to the idea that the offensive line is going to mitigate some of the concerns about the lack of production returning. But I also think that like, you know, five of these dudes are on NFL rosters right now. It's not like just five Mm -hmm. Joe Blow players who are, who are walking in here and the guys who are return, who are replacing them, you know, who who knows, right? Like, I mean, Abram Smith, Tristan Eber uh, ran for twenty four hundred yards as a as a duo last year. Fifteen hundred yards after contact as a duo last year. Yeah. Um, Ninety seven force missed tackles as a duo last year. So it's like this is you know they were they were an elite running back tandem last year. And obviously, Ebner won Special Teams Player of the Year. He was awesome out of the backfield. Um, you know, it's two really hard skill sets to replace. Um, I think Tay, so. I'm I'm reading Tay McWilliams. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, Craig Williams are going to be kind of the two guys stepping in there. McWilliams had a good PFF grade, but if you look at his game log, um, I think he had like 18 carries for 190 yards. Yeah. He, he had like over 10, 10 a carry, but he carried it like, yeah, 18 times all year. So well, had some big chunk player too. Well, and those, so if you, uh, uh, 12 for 156 and two touchdowns against Texas Southern and Kansas. So uh, I think we we were the only other team he played against and he had like five for 25 or something like that, you know? So skeptical of, of those numbers again, I'm sure he's going to be fine behind this offensive line, but I don't, I don't think you can just assume that he's going to be as good as Abram Smith and Tristan Ebner were, um, Yeah, I think it, it's really just a question of how much is the, the, you know, this next level of players for Baylor, how much is it plug and play? Because you're keeping a, basically you can say you're keeping the quarterback and you're keeping in, like an elite offensive line. Running backs, your guy, your number one running back had 17 carries or 18 carries last year. Yep. Um, in terms of receivers, you lose your 88 targets guy and Tyquan Thornton. 
you lose RJ Sneed, you lose Drew Estrada. Um, you, you basically, other than the tight end position, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about, you, you really don't, you have like, somebody's got to run and catch the balls. Um, yeah. And it's just going to be brand new faces. I'm not saying, you know, it's one of those things, if it's uh, a lower team like Kansas or something, you do have to question like, what's the talent coming in? I don't necessarily question that the talent is on the roster, but it's just unproven. And I question if they can step in and produce at the same level right away in year mm-hmm. one. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, you miss, uh, you know, explosive plays. They they lost between Thornton, Snead, Estrada, and Tristan Ebner. They lost 35 of their 45 20-plus yard receiving plays. So most of their explosive plays in the passing game are gone. I looked. Uh, the, there were five total combined targets across the two deep last year mm-hmm. um, between Gavin Holmes, Josh Cameron, and Monterey Baldwin. Baldwin, Baldwin was the only one with a target last year. Um, I think Josh Cameron is a walk. He's a walk on. I looked at his profile. He didn't have any offers. Um, Gavin, Gavin Holmes has played for Baylor, but yeah. he's also lost he two out st- last year, right? Yeah. He, 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 he tore his knee up. He's, to- he's torn both knees up, um, over the past. He's a six year senior and you know, I don't know, like he's probably, it's nice to have the old head in the room, you know, but I'm skeptical that he's going to go out there and be Taekwon Thornton and mm-hmm. you know, he's yeah. your, he's your lead receiver. Right. So um, yeah, as you mentioned, the, the tight ends, I think they're the top two returning um, target guys on the team, actually, yeah. um, are, are the two tight ends. And they're pretty good. Um, you know, Sims Sims put up good numbers last year. I think he actually, I think the 10, uh, the 10 explosive plays that are unaccounted for by the dudes who are, who are in the NFL now, I think Sims was six of them. So, um, you know, I think I think one of the things that I've heard is that, you know, maybe what you look at this year with, with shape and with some of the changes to the personnel is, is they look a little bit more like BYU, um, where you're trying to get shaping on the move with some play action passing. You got some two tight end sets out there, you know, something like that, maybe. But but I don't know. Again, I mean, you know, the offensive line is going to be great, but just with the insane amount of skill position talent, skill position turnover, um, you know, I think I'm sure there's guys there, but again, I'm skeptical that they can step in year one and produce at the same level um, as the dudes that they lost. Yeah, I, I think maybe maybe a small drop off from last year. Um, I don't think huge, but I, I don't think this offense necessarily like was winning them the games last year. Like I said, I feel like it was just like a very well balanced team. Um, you do have three guys on the offense who are all Big 12 preseason. So two guys on the line and your tight end. Ben Sim. So you got you like, I I guess the thing is to say that there is lots of talent. And like you said, you could, you could line up with two tight ends and this dominant offensive line, and they might just run it down people's throat this year. Um, They were, they were number one in the big 12 last year in effective rush uh, per beta rank. So, I mean, I think pretty much all of that's coming back except who's running the ball. But if the holes are there, um, I mean, I think I think that could probably be. I would lean that the the running game is probably going to be more of the strength of this offense. Yep, yep. And so I guess that that makes the question: Is the defense going to be good enough to win them games uh, this year in the same way that last year's uh, group was? That's a tough. Um, that's a tough question because yeah. um, you lose you lose the Big Twelve Defensive Player of the Year and uh, another guy who's uh, getting played on playing on Sundays now. So. Um, it's yeah, tough. <laughs> yeah, my uh, so looking through here, um, and we'll get into it. Like my my perception of the, of the defense is is kind of high level. The 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 defensive front, the line is going to be great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you really you you lose 
very few players who were great last year. You return probably your four, your three best. Plus you add um, Jackson player transfer from Tulsa, four-star transfer who I think Dave, Dave Miranda is just going to have a field day with. He's a guy who I, I looked, he, he played a hundred plus snaps in three separate positions across the line last year and still put up a, a 90.7 PF or sorry, an 87 PFF grade. He has back-to-back years with 36 pressures rushing from the inside. So him and Ika next to each other on the inside is just absolutely terrifying. But then, man, I, I look across the rest of the defense, and it's like a lot of the guys who played next to the guys are there last year or are, mm-hmm. are here again this year. But, like, I don't know what I kept thinking of, and this is an imperfect analogy, so excuse me, but it's like, you know, if you took Keith Richards and, and Mick Jagger off the Rolling Stones and just put, like, replacement-level players with the drummer and the bassist, Mm-hmm. Like that's still a good band, but you lose the shit that made them the Rolling Stones, right? And so that's what I'm kind of looking at here with with uh, Petrie gone, with Bernard gone, is just you have a lot of dudes who are probably really good supporting cast members, but I don't see who the I don't see the top level playmaking um, mm-hmm. in the back half of the defense. I I definitely agree about the back half. Um, the defensive line. I think you, you nailed it. Like this is a, like a really deep returning defensive line. Like they get a lot of guys in there and they all contribute. Um, I mean, they got yep. stupid pressures last year. Um, and yeah, highlighting Siaki Ika, like 23 pressures from the nose is pretty insane. Yep. Um, and he, he just clogs everything up there. Um, so he's on the the preseason team. So so we said three three guys on the offense on the preseason team, and then you get two guys on the defense. So you have guys uh, basically, you know, if you want to count the tight end more like the line, you have three guys kind of on the line on the offense, and then you have the nose tackle, and then you have a linebacker. So it is kind of more like those skill speedy guys that are going to be the questions for Baylor. Mm-hmm. Um, your your uh, other guy here was um, Dylan Doyle. He was honorable mention. He's a linebacker. Um, but I feel feel like they're going to continue um, kind of what they did last year in terms of just really solid defense, really solid against the rush. Yep. Uh, they were 11th in the country last year in effective rush. And uh, they really just didn't let anybody have these explosive plays. They caused tons of negative drives. I mean, like with all the pressures that they, they caused last year, that that's what really throws you off schedule. And the D line probably is getting, you know, probably got better or returned pretty much all the productive guys. So, yeah, I think they're better. I think they're better up front this year. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I would say maybe like a progression of it it gets worse as you move from the line to the to the backers to the secondary. Uh, I mean, losing Jalen Petrie is hard to quantify. That dude, he was a dude. Dude, this guy, man. (laughs) 88.6 defensive grade you had a 92.7 grade against the run which was second in the whole country of any position he flew all over the field like dude had 50 stops um so it's just tackles where his unsuccessful play the craziest stat that i saw is that this dude is uh i mean he played in the box a lot right but he's not a big guy and the average depth of the tackles that he made was 0.08 yards. So like <laughs> this guy made a hundred or, you know, 90 tackles. And on average, he was stopping a guy for less than a yard. That was just unfathomable yeah. to me. Yeah. Yeah. And as a cornerback, that's, it's like, nuts. He's, uh, it's like I said, it's hard to quantify losing a guy like yeah. that. You're probably not getting another guy in your secondary who's going to perform like that, but can you get 
a couple guys who you know can sort of match that production combined. Just money ball it. Yeah, exactly. There, there's some guys like I think Christian Morgan's going to be a really solid safety yeah. for them over the top. Yep. Um, Walcott at cornerback probably going to be pretty solid. Um, like I, th- th- this is not a bad secondary. It's just if you no. have to pick a weakness, that's what it is. Yeah, no, I think I think Walcott was actually starting for the second half of of the year last year. Like I think he was a guy who kind of came on and was is one of their better players. And then I've actually uh, heard so so right now their depth chart has a guy named Lerondo Johnson. Uh, playing the star position, which is what Petrie played. Um, he only played 92 snaps last year. It wasn't anything special. It had like a 56 PFF grade. But I've heard, um, you know, one of the other, I can't remember if it was one of the, the 247 previews or the cover three, uh, something, but they mentioned Christian Morgan actually might get a look at the star because he was kind of, you know, he's the best guy coming back in the secondary. Mm-hmm. And you want your best guy playing in the the premier, you know, the 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 high profile position. So, I think they might uh, they might move him over there before it's all said and done. But yeah, man, I mean, you know, if you if if he doesn't, you know, going from Petrie to Lorando Johnson, there's that's just a massive drop off uh, to mm-hmm. me. Um, and then I think you know going from um, Kalen Barnes, uh, JT Woods, Raleigh Tashada, and you know Tashada had kind of a, a bad year, but still was a four year contributor for them. I think he signed a contract with the team. Um, I know Barnes and Woods both got drafted. So, you know, replacing them with Mark Milton, who had a, a 59 and a half grade on 324 snaps last year, um, gave up completions on 74% of the passes he was targeted on. I think that's a big drop off. So, I, you know, I, I think you still have dudes. I think you, you have, you know, Morgan, Walcott, some good pieces there. Um, guy named Devin Neal looked like put up some pretty good numbers on, you know, about 200 snaps. So I think some dudes. But again, you know, you're talking five NFL guys from one secondary who mm-hmm. are just not there this year, including the defensive player of the year, Petrie, who I thought, you know, you could not have had a more deserving guy last year. That guy was unbelievable. So, yeah. And th- so this team literally won the big 12 on a goal line stand. Like they were a yard away. They were a, they were a extended ball away from, you know, not winning the big 12 still awesome season, but um, is the defense, you know, do you plug in this defense in that scenario and feel like they're doing it? Um, I like the D line. I'm not sure I like the other two levels as much as I did last year. No. Um, so, okay. So Jordan, we've done a couple deep dives. We've, you know, I think most people agree that there's kind of this like top four, at least kind of can separate the top four, Oklahoma, Oklahoma state, Texas, Baylor. We've talked Texas, um, Still haven't covered the Oklahoma schools, but how do you feel after kind of diving into Baylor? Do you feel better, worse? Do you feel like they are justified as the favorite um, from what you know now? Um, yes, in so much that somebody has to be the favorite, I guess. You know, I think in my mm-hmm. head it would be maybe them or Oklahoma State. Um, but man, I, I the more so I, I know we haven't done done all the schools yet, but I've you know, started digging into all of them. And the more that I look at it, the more that I think that it's like maybe almost like three tiers. And like the top tier is literally six or seven teams where, Mm -hmm. you know, I, you know, we might just have six teams that have win between six and nine games this year. And Mm -hmm. just whoever comes out on top of the slug fest is, you know, they're the two teams that the two teams that have won nine might, might just be the ones in the big 12. Like, they're good. I definitely wouldn't be surprised if they were there at the end of the year. 
Um, that's that's great because we put them in the wouldn't be surprised if they're in Arlington tier. Um, and that's same with Texas. So I'm excited to, to get into Oklahoma and Oklahoma State more yeah, to see yeah. how they, they sort of measure up. But I, I, I still feel comfortable where I'm like, this team could be the best or one of the best, but yeah. also like I, I'm not I'm definitely not convinced um, that this is the best team in the league by any means. Yeah, no. I'm, so I think. I mean, like you know, like we said, they have the best offensive line in the league. Mm-hmm. I think they have probably one of the two defensive lines. I'd mm-hmm. put them in Oklahoma State maybe on the on the same level at the, you know at the top of the pile there. Um, and because of those things, you know, I think maybe a bigger regression will be pre- prevented or avoided. I mean, we forget, you know, two years ago this was a two and ten team, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I don't know if I don't know if sub 500 was on the table for them this year with everything that they lost, all the star power that they lost on both sides of the ball. Um, but, you know, maybe maybe it was. I think maybe with this offensive and defensive line, though, and the fact that none of the other teams have really blown me away that I've mm-hmm. looked at yet. I think, you know, maybe you're looking at like eight wins, you know, yeah. somewhere, somewhere between seven and nine, depending, like you said, on, on how the ball bounces for them this year. Yeah. Yeah. And. and- Great, great segue to the, the just the like I going back to the luck of turnovers. Um, what what is the record of that team last year with a little less luck? Yep. You know, you're probably going to get a little regression this year. So, you know, with I don't know, I don't want to maybe compare to last year's team, but say you get much worse turnover luck or just average turnover luck. Um, I, I'm not sure that this team is superior to, to the teams they're going to be facing. So, you said eight and a half for Baylor is uh, Vegas's number. Um, so they got nine games in conference. And then you got Albany is your first, so that's a win. You got BYU and Texas State. Those are your out of conference. Um, so that's it. Alba- Al- one. Albany and Texas State. I mean, Albany and Penn, Texas State, and uh, maybe a raceable pin, but I feel pretty good about that. And uh, BYU, it's probably a toss-up. It's probably a 60-40 game, 70 where, uh, game. Where is it? I'm looking. I think it's in Provo. Yeah, um, yep. I'd give that 60-40. I think Baylor will be favored there, but mm-hmm. shit. I mean, September 10th, 10-15, that's a, just a little, little West Coast weirdness there. That is weird. 10-15 Eastern. Um, I think, okay, at the very least, though, 2-1, and one, right? So yeah, we'll I'd say, say let's say two and one for this for the sake of the eight point five argument here. Okay, so you're um, two and one. You go into Iowa State. Um, I think you probably feel good about that one. I think you win that one. So three and one. Then you get Oklahoma State, and yeah, cool. so you get Oklahoma State. Mm. Coin flip it, I'd say. And then you get a bye week to come to Morgantown. Uh, bye week definitely in your favor. Morgantown is not. Uh, that could be, that could be a coin flip depending on uh, which West Virginia we get this year, which side of the spectrum they are. Yeah. Um, is that a that's a night game too? It's Seven thir- o'clock. It's, it's a Thursday night, so that's we've already awesome. seen some we've already seen some weird stuff happen to good Baylor teams on Thursday nights in Morgantown. It's happened um, before. It has. Uh, so okay, yeah. So that. Then Kansas. Wait. So where are we now? We're we're two and one. We're three and one. We're probably let's say four and two. Mm-hmm. Um, then let's say five and two, six Over and two. Kansas, Texas Tech. 
and that I is a that I, the last month of the season. It's tough. You go Oklahoma at Oklahoma. That's probably an L. You get Kansas State, who I think is going to be pretty good. Then you get TCU. That might be an off one. And then you close out at Texas. That could have pretty decent implications to who's going to Arlington. Yeah. Eight and a half, man. I. I I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't do it. So that's so we're giving them two out of conference. So that's six and a half out of your nine conference games. I don't love that, to be honest. I I kind of like the under there because you have to win. You can only take three. You only take two losses in conference at that rate. Um, And Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Kansas State. Hmm. I don't know. I think when we do our when we do all of our picks, I'll I'll, I'll think about it more. But initial reaction is, um, I would probably lean under. I don't yeah, know. I definitely wouldn't wouldn't bet if I was gonna bet on it. I'd bet probably bet the under. You know what's weird though is I'm looking at plus six hundred to win the Big Twelve and thinking that that's yeah. not like the worst idea. <laughs> no, to pick to have them third to win the Big Twelve. I don't know, but like I agree with what you said earlier about. There could be a cluster of teams that all just went, end up between six and nine wins. Like, yeah, like, like who eight, can get to ten could, wins in this? Conference? They could go like, I, in my opinion, they could go under under eight and a half and still be in the Big Twelve championship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like an eight and four, you lose the BYU game, and then you you know, yeah, I it's definitely in play. I'll have to think about that one a little more. But yeah, yeah, we'll do that. Under. We'll do that. Um, I think. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll do a special pod about that kind of at the end of all these deep dives and talk about what some of our favorite bets are. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. So we think definitely stay away from the over if you're going to bet. Maybe do the under. Mm-hmm. Um, any last thoughts on Baylor? That that's pretty much all I got on Baylor. Oh, I wanted to say um, because we haven't been touching on all of the special teams. Uh, Baylor has both of their kickers back, so they have a place kicker and a kickoff specialist. Um, the kickoff specialist was good. The kicker was not was not good. He only made 70% of his field goals last year. Mm-hmm. But the kickoff dude had 89% of his touchbacks. I think his name is Noah Rauschenberg. Um, the punter, Isaac Power, is also back. Averaged 45 yards per punt last year, which is 23rd nationally. So solid punter. The big... Um, the big, uh, the big loss for them, obviously, is, is Treston Ebner's gone as the returner. As I mentioned, he was the special teams player of the year. So big loss there. Looking like Josh Fleeks, um, who was a wide receiver for them last year, played against us. Um, quick little dude is going to be the guy at both kickoff, kickoff and uh, punt returner. Um, we'll have to see, I guess, how that, how that changes things for them. I know they, they were good on special teams last year, though, so I'm sure mm-hmm. they'll be good again, good again this year with – with uh, both kickers and, and the punter back. So, yeah, that was, that's my last note. Gotcha. All right. You want to move on to the Red Raiders of Texas Tech? I do. Cool. You want to give us a 2021 rundown? I will. Okay. So, Texas Tech um, finished last year, seven and six, beat Mississippi State 34 to seven in the Liberty Bowl. But it was kind of, uh, I mean, you know, you, you hear that record, you hear the the way that it ended, and you'd think it's weird, but, you know, Matt, Matt Wells got fired last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that probably had something to do uh, with them starting out 5-2 and two and then losing 4-5 or five to close the regular season. So, um, you know, if you look at the way the schedule shook out, kind of, you know, kind of backloaded. A lot of easy games in that front half, so maybe a little smoke and mirrors of that 5-2 and two record. Um, 
But nonetheless, the result is that Joey McGuire is the new head football coach in Lubbock. So coming into 2022, um, they're plus 50,000 to win the national championship, plus 5,000 to win the Big 12, and over under five and a half. Joel, your thoughts on the Joey McGuire-led Texas Tech Red Football Raiders? Yeah, Joey McGuire is, I think, a really intriguing kind of background and, and oh, yeah. story. This this dude was a high school coach. He was a high school positional coach for like a long time. Um, this guy like lives and and dies by Texas high school football, which you know, being from West Virginia, I don't think I fully understand the uh, the capacity that Texas high school football like sort of has in that state. Um, it's it's like almost a different thing. So he he literally was a positional coach for like a long time, worked his way up to a head coach position. And I, what I'm seeing here is like a big cultural thing with Texas Tech. So yep. what stinks for Texas Tech is you're, Texas Tech is you're in West Texas in Lubbock, not really the the destination. You're in a state that has Texas A&M, Texas, Houston, a fun UTSA team, TCU. There, there's a lot of there's a lot SMU. of like. Yeah, SMU. There's a lot of teams to go around. Baylor didn't even mention. So there, there yeah, there's some like, problem. yeah, whatever. <laughs> there, there's a lot of teams that you have to recruit. And, and Texas is like the hotbed of recruiting. Like he wants to recruit these guys in Texas. Yeah. So what I'm seeing here is you're getting this guy who like knows high school football in Texas better than than probably anyone else who's, who's coaching in Texas. Um, and I, I see this as kind of a cultural thing. And, and boom, he, he comes in here and Texas tech for like a quick minute, which early recruiting doesn't matter. Texas tech is like number one in the recruiting ranks. They've signed like 20 dudes for the 23 class. Um, their average rank of guys are not like, it's better than it was last year. It's not like they're just signing dudes and that's why, um, it'll shake out and they, you know, they'll end up like 20th or whatever. But, uh, I, I think like at least for getting that ball rolling and the momentum, uh, Joey McGuire came in and, and did what he was supposed to do. And, and, you know, I think, um, I, I said, just kind of an interesting, interesting story. So the guys he brings and kind of hires along, um, for OC, he's got Zach, uh, Kitley from Western Kentucky. And this dude was, was born to be the Texas tech offensive coordinator. Cause all he knows how to do is throw the ball around, um, from Western Kentucky last year, they they threw uh, a real nice 69% of plays were passes. Um, all they did was chuck the rock, and that's like the most stereotypical Texas Tech thing. So um, they I, were, I think uh, that's a good fit. Oh, for sure. Yeah, they were they were the fastest team in the country last year. So I think mm-hmm. they I think they ranked like fifth in total plays run, like 1,046 plays in 14 games on 27 minutes of possession per game. So like literally they're losing the possession battle every game and they still ran a thousand plus plays last year, uh, which is insane. Um, and then the Texas tech connection is actually cool uh, with him. So he was a, he was a grad assistant and like assistant quarterback coach for them from 13 to 17, I think. Mm-hmm. So he was in the room with Pat Mahomes, you know, for those years when we, when we uh, beat Pat Mahomes. When, when Pat Mahomes consistently went six and six and, and, became an nfl superstar and then cliff kingsbury cashed in (laughs) on that cliff kingsbury is no i'm sorry i have to actually cliff kingsbury was like so consistently average or mediocre at texas tech and he went to the nf like what was going i never have understood that has anybody failed upwards more consistently than that guy 
You have like it's it's even more criminal after you see what Patrick Mahomes was in the NFL that you're like you went six and six with this dude like frequently. Uh, Patrick Mahomes never beat WBU. Oh, and two. That's, that's right. Tony Gibson, shout out. Got yeah, it. To- out. T- Tony Gibson his number broke Pat Mahomes. Just had his number, dude. <laughs> Guy was running for his life. Yeah. Um, so, so, okay. So other guy, Joey McGuire hired on, um, was Tim DeRoyder from Oregon. Um, so, you know, we're talking Texas tech and I think it's the same story. It's been for a long, long time that you want to talk about the offense cause it's fun and you want to like, just pretend the defense doesn't exist. Cause sometimes they don't, man, they are bad on defense some years. And I, I'm not convinced this year will be much different. Yeah, man. Agreed. Yeah. Like I think, you know, the story, the story for them this year is, is definitely going to be the offense. Um, can the offense score enough points? I mean, and it's kind of, it's been a little bit of a, a theme um, with the first handful of teams that we've talked to here where there's some, some question marks on defense and some pretty good looking things on offense. I know that's kind of a point we made with Kansas and Texas. So maybe a little bit of a return to, to the big 12 of, of like the mid 2010s when, teams were scoring 40 points a game. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, yeah. So he brings that Kitley in, uh, and yeah, Western Kentucky lit it up last year. And, and I think, you know, at least at the skill positions offensively, he has some stuff to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, so Henry Columbia out, I think he transferred to, Mar- to Marshall. Oddly yeah. enough. Um, and then it's looking like it's going to be either Tyler Shuck or, or Donovan Smith. And I, I don't think that they've really settled on a, on a starter yet. Um, yeah, I haven't seen anything. I was, uh, you know, I think my note, both of the, both of them seem competent. Um, Shuck, uh, Shuck had a 76.9 grade and 196 snaps last year, completed 68 and a half percent of his passes, six touchdowns, three interceptions, nine yard, a dot, um, big drop off against pressure. He was an 80.5 guy when kept clean, 47.3 against pressure. Um, Donovan Smith, better athlete, 77.6 77.6 when kept clean, 69 against pressure. So um, staying consistent there where we see guys who move better are obviously more comfortable playing off script, more comfortable uh, when when they have to escape, th- that when they have to escape, they'll be able to. Mm-hmm. Um, he only completed 61% of his passes last year, though. Um, I thought it was interesting. They both, uh, you know, they both played four games. Shuck was three and one as a starter. Smith was two and two. But again, Smith mm-hmm. started at the end of the year when the games were a little bit harder. I think Shuck beat... Um, you know, Shuck beat this the standard Texas Tech out of conference uh, cupcakes, um, yeah. and then got hurt. I think the week before, the, I think the week before they played us, and that's why we got Columby. Yeah, and we need a linguist on here of why this guy's name is pronounced Shuck because it's S H O U G H, but that's that's the way it's pronounced. So, um, yeah, I I kind of agree. The quarterbacks looking kind of similar. Um, their running game was pretty solid last year, but you want to think that this offensive coordinator coming in is going to want to be kind of more of a pass heavy, mm-hmm. um, you know, slinging this thing around pretty. I, I, I think maybe Shuck might be slightly better passer, but Donovan Smith, I think kind of opens the playbook a lot more. Uh, Donovan Smith, six, five, two thirty. Uh, big, big dude playing in QB. Um, he had some bright spots like Iowa state, um he had an 89.4 pff grade and and then the next week you play oklahoma state whose defense just ate people's faces he went nine of 29 yep 
and just got wrecked. I mean, which everyone did um, by Oklahoma State for the most part. But um, I think Donovan Smith probably has more upside in terms of the the ways you could probably utilize him. But maybe similar to the conversation we had about Bohannon and Shapin, will it be a like massive difference between who who trots out there? Like probably not. Um, yeah, like I said, I think maybe it's going to come down to to what this coordinator wants to do if it's going to be like a more pass-heavy scheme. Um, though, you keep a really good running back room. You keep a solid rush game um, with Taj Brooks and Sir Roderick Thompson. Yeah, yeah, both of those guys are really good last year. Um, Sir, Roderick's, Sir Roderick's always gashed us. Um, but yeah, no, last year, I mean, they both graded Thompson was 75.3 on 312 snaps. He averaged, uh, 4.6 yards per carry had 10 touchdowns, 24 missed tackles four, 17 explosive plays. Um, Brooks was actually graded out a little better. 77.8 on 232 snaps, um, averaged 6.6 yards per attempt, 3.8 yards after contact, 18 missed tackles, four, 15 missed plays. So two, two very good players there. Um, interesting thing with the, uh, the looming change that we've kind of touched on is that only 13 combined targets between the two of them last year. So mm-hmm. interesting to see. I, w- I wonder if Kitley kind of leans towards, um, you know, one or the other, like based on what he sees this spring and summer, where is one of these guys a little bit better out of the backfield with, with how much he might want to throw the ball mm-hmm. or even pass protection, actually, you know? Yeah. Better pass pro. Yeah, I think that's what I'm most intrigued is just the kind of the play calling, the way they're going to approach this offense. Um, when I look at Texas Tech from last year, I was actually a little surprised at how, at least in some of the advanced metrics, that they 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 graded out just like fairly average. I, they were just so like almost aggressively average last year. You go six and six in the regular season. They were like in the middle of the road of, of pretty much all of the the metrics, passing, rushing. The defense was like pretty bad, but you know, like they just were like they were like if you generated a team on NCAA and it was just like make them finish in the middle of the conference. Like this is the team. There's no like big stars. Nice there's nobody. There's nobody. Yeah, it's a C plus team. There's no preseason guys on the Big Twelve list. Um, I think they might be the only team that can tout that. The media had them like comfortably at ninth. So it's like, you're not Kansas bad, but like you're not touching anybody else. Um, so, yeah, I think this team was like aggressively average last year. They're going through like a big like change in leadership. I, I guess maybe my like wider view of just the, the team in general is like, I, I don't know that it's coming together this year, but maybe this is the foundation. You know, if we see how this recruiting thing works out, we see Joey McGuire, you know, this is the big stage for him. Um, will he rise to the occasion and, and get this culture and this, this program kind of in the right direction that he wants. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I'm, you know, I think this team could be fun to watch on offense. Um, so yeah. W- what do you, do you know what's going on in the offensive line? Because it looks like I, I'm seeing three transfers yep. potentially could be starting. So just kind of some new faces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, only two of the five guys back from last year, and and they were kind of below average last year. Um, so only 65.5 pass blocking grade on PFF. That was 39th in P5, 7th in the Big 12. And then actually a, a 65.0 run block grade, which is 47th in P5, 9th in the Big 12. So so not a very good offensive line last year. Um, the one – uh, so they bring back they bring back a tackle and a guard. Neither of them graded out very well. 
Um, both of them allowed right around 20 pressures. Uh, I, I saw the, the big ad for them, Cole Spencer. Um, so Western Kentucky transfer came over with, uh, with the offensive coordinator apparently, but he was mm-hmm. really good for Western Kentucky last year. So, um, but again, with all the shuffling, he played tackle for Western Kentucky. It looks like he's going to play guard for, for Texas tech. Not sure how that's going to work. Uh, the other transfer a guy named Dennis Wilburn. I haven't, uh, uh, found, found a record of him playing division one, <laughs> division one <laughs> football before. Um, I think he may have pl- I think he played in Juco, then he may have gone to Texas A&M and then may have transferred to Texas Tech after not playing for Texas A&M. But anyways, obviously, you know, who who the hell knows with that guy playing center, which is not an unimportant position. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other tackle is a transfer from Oklahoma State who played 19 total snaps in in 2 years in Stillwater. So, um, you know, bad last year. I think their transfer, the guy from Western Kentucky, is going to be their best player. You know, 3,000-plus snaps over over four years um, at Western Kentucky. So potentially a, a, a really good player. But the other four guys, like the two who are back were, were not good last year, and the two who are coming in have barely barely played football at this level. So, um, you know, I, I, I think in general I like the skill players. Um, we didn't touch on the receivers much. They have three good receivers. I like mm-hmm. not a, not a ton of depth, but but three guys who were good last year: Miles Price, Loic Fungi, and, and JJ Sparkman. Um, despite losing three good guys, uh, but yeah, I mean, competent to good skill players, but the line may sink them. Is is my kind of is my note on the offense? Yeah, yeah, and agreed. I I really like Miles Price. He caught eighty one percent of his targets last year. I think yeah, he's pretty good. pretty efficient. Um, yeah, I like kind of just you know this isn't kansas this team is better than kansas there's more talent on this team than kansas but um in some of these position groups at least i feel like it's it's just like somebody's gonna have to sort of prove themselves and they don't have a fantastic track record uh thus far if they even allegedly played fbs football before so you know it's (laughs) um this offense could be fun though if we see some shades of the western kentucky team if we see um, them slinging this thing around and utilizing the run um, with this one-two punch. Like I, I, I think this offense could be exciting to watch. Um, so, so that's sort of to say, let's transition to the defense because uh, <laughs> they might be exciting to watch if West Virginia is on offense. Um, they, they stunk last year. They were 94th in the ru- in the, uh, effective rush and 104th in effective pass. Um, so they're 65 P5 teams. That number is um, adjusted for uh, the teams that you're playing. So that's that's really bad. Uh, they were horrendous at getting negative plays, 111th. Drive efficiency, 112th. Uh, they, they, I mean, there's no way around it. They sucked. They, they were not good. And this offense, I think, is going to have to just outpace the teams that they're playing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not, yeah, not a ton of pressure, which is something that, you know, that we talk about, uh, a, a lot in, in something that we look at here. This team was really bad at generating pressure, really bad at rushing the passer. Um, the, the one positive, they do bring back their best, their best pass rusher, Tyree Wilson. Uh, mm-hmm. guy had 37 pressures, six steps, six, uh, sacks last year. Um, they do have a pretty good interior rotation, um, with, uh, Tony Bradford, Jalen Hutchings. I think both of them were, were pretty good last year, but. Um, you know, just not a, not a lot of play, not a lot of playmakers defensively. Um, mm-hmm. 
they, think, I was going to say, they only had 15 sacks as yeah. a team last year. In 12 games, I mean, you're getting one sack a game, basically. That's that's rough. I mean, you gotta, you're got to you not causing any kind of disruption. And we've talked about it before. Like, a sack is an absolute drive killer. Um, there are teams that are that are going to be getting a lot of sacks this year. Baylor's going to be one of them. Um, Texas is going to be one of you know. There, there's there's some teams that are going to be sending offenses backwards. And if we're we're saying that the offenses are going to be the strength of a lot of these teams this year, um, th- this is a defense that might just get run up and down on. Yeah, man. Yeah, I just you know, I, I see I see a decent defensive line. The linebackers are might be might be bad. Mm-hmm. Um, they lost Colin Schuler, who was who was you know like probably a three year starter for them. Um, I think was probably the best player on their defense last year. Uh, they returned a guy named Krishan Merriweather, who has also been a big contributor for a couple years, but but wasn't you know hasn't been very good. Um, and then the other starting uh, the other you know starting middle linebacker is going to be a transfer from Montana State, who was, um, you know, played a little bit last year at Montana State and gra- graded out okay. Uh, you know, not as good as you would expect, like a, a P5 impact player to grade out at a at, at a not P5 level. Um, and also he played at Vandy previously. I think, you know, he was a, a Vanderbilt guy at a high school, played a lot at Vanderbilt and was bad at Vanderbilt. So um, potentially weak uh, linebacker core um, and, and not a lot of depth that I saw. I think, you know, if there's anywhere that's like a quote unquote strength it may be the secondary but even there you know there's there's going to be some red flags um because yeah. you know they lo- they lost two really good two really good starters they they bring back three guys who played a ton two of them were pretty good um and then you know you're getting into getting into some some sketchy territory i think with some of the guys who might be asked to play a lot of snaps this year but mm-hmm. um but i do like you know rashad williams cornerback Graded out sixty six point six on eight hundred plus snaps last year. Dadrian Taylor Demerson graded out at a seventy six on seven hundred and forty six snaps, which is, I mean, that's that's really quality play. So yeah, um, yeah, it's, I I see two dudes on this defense, potential dudes. Um, like I said, Texas Tech had nobody on the list preseason list. If you had to throw someone on the list, it's either Tyree Wilson um, or maybe uh, Dadrian Taylor Demerson. Yeah, yeah, 77 coverage grade. I mean, that's really good. But if people return in, you only have those two who had a 70 or better grade in PFF last year. So that stinks. It's not good. Um, yep. There's one guy I want to highlight just because I find it kind of funny. Jalen Hutchins, um, I think, plays the nose. Yep. And uh, they have him listed as six foot, and some places have him listed as shorter. He's 305 pounds. <laughs> It's a, low, it's a low center big, of gravity. Yeah, this man is is uh is gonna potentially clog up the line. Didn't rate out grade out very well at all last year, but just a massive body um in the middle there. But yeah, I you know you get a new defensive coordinator. I'm not sure there's a ton of talent on this team. I think the linebacking core is like pretty bad, even with the transfer. Yeah. Um, I have Josiah Pierre is, was a good tackler. That was about the nicest thing I could say about the linebackers. Um, <laughs> you know, we talked about the D line. They don't get pressure. They don't create chaos. 15 sacks is bad. Um, Tyree Wilson's a bright spot. And then, yeah, I think the secondary, maybe the best thing. It's still not a good thing. 
Um, no. So I, I think this team's just going to struggle in the defensive end. Um, I'm not sure I can sell you um, a lot about this, but my question maybe is about Texas Tech in general. You know what? I, I'm curious. What do people in Lubbock think a successful season looks like? Like, is it getting to bowl eligibility? Is it getting four or five wins? Like, I don't think expectations are are big. Um, new coach, new system. Uh, just just kind of with what the talent has. And I think he might be selling the Lubbock version of Trust the Climb. Like, we're going to get this thing how we want it. We're going to get the recruits in. Um, so maybe this isn't the year that, that it's supposed to happen for Tech. That's Yeah, that's kind of what I was going to say. I mean, I think I, I would be – I think I would be thrilled with a bowl game if I was them um, in year one. Uh, you know, in year one, just completely, completely new staff, a lot of a lot of new players. Um, I think you'd be thrilled with a bowl game. Um, I think you'd be thrilled with with five wins. Like if the vibes are if the vibes around the program are different, right? Where five it's like, wins and vibes. That's all you need. Five wins and vibes, man. <laughs> it goes a long way. <laughs> We had we had six wins and no, and no vibes last year, and it was a real slog. Let me tell you, yeah. Um, no, but I mean, get, dude, if they if they come in and you know, if they go five and seven and score thirty seven points a game, I, I think that the fans will be happy with that and be like, okay, that's a good foundation. Now let's mm-hmm. get now let's get a top fifteen recruiting class in here for two straight years and see where we are. Yeah. Yeah, and Texas Tech surprisingly has had some success in other sports recently. Basketball yep. has been solid for the last few years, even with the coaching change. The baseball team's actually pretty good. So, um, but this is Texas, and uh, I think you know, kind of just rounding it out. We talked about the high school football connection. Like Texas football is kind of king. So, I'm sure Texas Tech wants to get up there with the big boys of Baylor and A and M in Texas, but don't think it's happening this year. If you're gonna suck, be fun though. Like score a hundred, yeah. beat a team off some off some vibes. Like just you know have something something going there. The uh, the sort of end of their schedule is favorable. They their last month of the season is TCU, Kansas, Iowa State, then Oklahoma. You don't love Oklahoma at the end, but um, I could see this going one of two ways. Um, you you play a lot of the better teams early in the schedule and you're you're sitting at like one or two wins and then you have TCU Kansas and Texas Tech and maybe everyone's checked out at that point uh but i also see like the potential of like you know you win two three maybe even you know maybe just two or three games before that you rattle off those those three of the last four and and maybe that's your stepping stone into the uh the trust the climb era of McGuire. man yeah i'm looking like I'm looking at this schedule. now, it's tough, right? It's Murray, so Murray State's point. Murray State's a win. Uh, Houston, I it's think home. that's a loss. It's I, home, but I think it's a loss. Dana's got at, at NC State's probably a loss. I mean, this, we haven't gone through all the teams yet um, in the Big Twelve, but this might be the second hardest schedule. I would imagine West Virginia has the hardest out of conference. We have two P five teams. They have NC State, who's good, and Houston, who's a basically a P five team. It's a P five at this point. Yeah, I think you count them. Um, so yeah, not what no, I mean, eleven P fives. Yeah, I mean you're right. Like I'm looking at this, they could literally going into TCU, they could be one, one in seven. Yeah, and and that's yeah. where you like worry. It's like, is the season over? Are people done? Does anyone want to? You know, if you hang on and get two or three, the soft part is at the end, but. 
damn, you got to hang on through kind of a rough. Dude, they might be. <laughs> They might be licking their chops looking at us as their second win. <laughs> we we got to go to Lubbock. It's true. October. We might be the easiest. We might be the worst P5 team they play uh, we, in the first seven games. It's possible. Might, we might be. We might be. I hope um, we're not. But yeah, it, I hope we're not. It's too. on the ta- it's on the table. <laughs> it's on the table. Yeah. Man. What was the number for Tech? Five and a half, I think. Five oh. and a half. Yeah, that's that's. I want to poke that's, that. That's that's high. I would actually more than Baylor. Like I see Baylor going either way. I, I would feel um, a lot more short of going under on that number. Yeah, don't love that out of conference. I, I might uh, I might highlight that one for our <laughs> for our end of deep dive favorite bets pod. <laughs> yeah, Texas Tech under. Yeah, Ugh, gross. Yeah, because like even man, you know. Uh, TC, you could say the exact same things about TCU that we're saying about Texas Tech, right? Shite mm-hmm. defense. The offense is going to light people up. New uh, coach. New coach. Yeah. So that, Iowa State's not a gimme. You know, they could just as easily lose three of those four as win three of those four. Oh, yeah. Those are the attainable ones. And yeah, maybe you steal one at Kansas State or something like that. But um, I don't love. Sure, McGuire's pissed you rolling in. You know, why do we have two out of conference P5s? What are you guys because, doing to me? You know, like the SEC, they only plays eight conference games, right? Yep. They have, so they have four out of conference, and the SEC routinely schedules like several FCS teams. McGuire's in, like, in like October or November. Yeah. Where a it's little like, bye oh, week. Just a nice bye week here in, in November before I have to go go to LSU or something like that. Yeah, I'm sure McGuire's not super excited about playing 11 P5 games in year one. Um, this guy's just a couple years removed from coaching high school football games. Um, he yeah. coached a big high school, though. I mean, he, he coached Cedar Hill. Uh, I'm sure that there's there are dudes we have recruited from Cedar Hill. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So... Anything else you got on tech? That's uh, check out my notes. That's I think we covered the majority of it. Uh, I have my special teams notes. I have punter is great, kickoff guy is decent, returners are average. All right. Well, you know when you uh, <laughs> when when you're a team like tech, maybe you need a little special teams magic to win a game or two. Um, yeah. Uh, they're gonna yeah they're gonna need a little bit of it this year I think for sure. Yeah. Cool. All right, so that's we tech. Have, we have covered Tech and Baylor. There are five teams left that we have not deep dived on on the West Virginia schedule this year. Um, the next two are TCU and Iowa State, um, and then remaining is Oklahoma, Kansas State, and um, Oklahoma State. So, just as a reminder, we kind of did those tiers at the beginning. Um, we had that one tier as the, like, I'm just not expecting a lot, which was the tier above Kansas, but you know, second from the bottom. And we had Texas tech TCU and Iowa state. So next week covering TCU and Iowa state, well, I guess we'll see if we feel any different. Um, if any, any one of those is going to emerge. Yeah, man. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. So, so should we, uh, at some point do, uh, like do three at a time just to, just to even it out or. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So we got five left, and uh, we could either do two and three, or we could do a two, two, one, and then the second half of the one would be maybe the betting extravaganza. Let's do that. Let's do Oklahoma State, the betting extravaganza at the end. Awesome. 
Cool. And and then we're going to be like, I mean, by that point, that's three more weeks. That puts us, what, like two or three weeks out from uh, yep. from Pitt. So, you know, we'll have a week or two to get a preview going and really get this thing rolling in the fall. I'm super excited. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. I think these are going well. Yeah, so um, if you guys listening have any feedback or questions, anything at all you'd like us to address on the show, you can hit us up on Twitter at West by Pod. There's underscores in between. Um, you can also find us on Smoking Musket. Uh, we'll put up kind of an article with the pod announcement. Um, and then on Twitter, like I said, I'm at WV Stats Guy. He's at Game Day Shorts. Um, so hit us up. Like I said, next week we're going to be covering TCU Horned Frogs, Iowa State Cyclones. Um, anything you want us to address there. One, two, three, four. All right, man. Cool. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll uh, catch you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.